This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, good morning, Chicago. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink. I'm a financial journalist and CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group right here in the Chicagoland area. We provide income planning, portfolio management, tax and estate planning. We're a wealth management firm right here in Chicagoland. If you want to talk with Tom or you want to ask us a question, be sure to call 630-934-1855 or just go to alphawealthgroup.com. All right, Tom. So there was such an uproar over proposed cuts to Social Security and Medicare. You saw that President Biden mm-hmm. called out the Republicans in the middle of his speech. Um, that And then suddenly they're off the table as part of the negotiations. At one point, though, there was talks of raising the full retirement age for Social Security to 70. And that would mean workers and retirees would have to work an additional three to four years to receive full benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe three, because I think, there, or two, actually, because uh, isn't the, 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 is it 66 and 67 or 67 and 68? 66 to 67. All right. So mm-hmm. if it was 67, it would be three more years right. to receive full benefits. Mm-hmm. And I assume at the same time they would push, if you if you didn't take Social Security, they'd probably push it from 70 being that outlier maximum time, you know, out as well. But anyway, all that's off the table. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me that the last time the age for collecting Social Security went from 65 to 66 and then 67, there was also a huge mm-hmm. outrage. And I'm just... You know, wondering if there are cuts like that coming down the pike, and if more and more people are living to be 100, right, or 122, Mm -hmm. like that woman, um, it it feels like we really do need to do something about pushing this back and people having longer work lives. And I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. what you think about that, what you think about, uh, you know, how people would respond and how do you counsel people about it? And I, I say this knowing that we had such a strong reaction to Social Security the last <laughs> time we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, really this comes down to, broadly speaking, income planning. You know, you've seen every study, at least the number one concern is outliving our assets, outliving right. our income. And certainly Social Security is one of those income. And now with the longevity risk and other risks that we can get into, this is a big piece of it. Now, we, Social Security is one example of your source of income. Some people have pensions. That's an income. So I just want to define income for a second here. Income is monies or paychecks. There was, I should say, a replacement pay that comes in for the rest of your life, right, that is consistent and guaranteed. Social Security is one of those examples. And so, you know, you can use annuities, too. That's another example separate from your investments. So this is why people, I think, get emotional because it's an income. It's a replacement of your income. Now, there was a study by the U.S. Census Bureau about half of all baby boomers who have additional sources of income said retirement will be their main source, still their main source of retirement income. So, of course... This gets a little um, emotional, as you, I guess you use that word. Uh, uh, yeah, I do use that word. I think people are very emotional about their money. Well, as you know, it's, absolutely. you feel very, very connected to it. And then when you're in retirement, I've watched all kinds of retirees. I mean, they're just every, it's like they hold on to every last dollar because of the longevity risk, like we talked about last week. 
Well, this is so critical. The so what I call the social security decision, the claiming strategies. When do you take social security? The first step in this whole process is really to try to understand it as much as possible. I think it's also made all too often made complicated. Social security has changed. You know, we're talking about these potential changes. The original in social security was started in 1935, of course, under FDR. And it was the starting age, we talked about 65 as being that full retirement age before. Life expectancy at the time was 63. So I don't think they anticipated the problems we're having now because the system, you know, it's got to pay out for your whole life. You know, I think the biggest program over a trillion dollars. So when you make a decision as to when you're going to turn on your social security claiming strategy, it's a pretty important decision because when you get to a certain point, it's pretty much irrevocable. And so we can talk a little bit about you want the whole Social Security decision, but that's that's something you want to understand your claiming strategies and how that's going to impact your plan. Yeah, I, just a word on the whole when Social Security started thing. I mean, I think people forget that, you know, 78 years ago, um, the U.S. was growing like crazy. We were accepting immigrants from all parts mm-hmm. of the world. We had uh, replacement of, you know, people were having more than 2.1 kids, which was the replacement mm-hmm. number. So the country's population was growing. It was much smaller back then. And, you know, it's a little bit like, I hate to say Social Security is like a pyramid scheme, but it is in that you always have this, you know, it was envisioned to have a smaller number of seniors which with a larger number of young people paying mm-hmm. in. Right. Mm -hmm. For those earnings. And what's happened now is we have people living, you know, so long and we we have, you know, obviously we've got Gen Z and we've got millennials, but they may not have as many kids. And the population seems to be stagnating to a degree. And so you're going to end up like a situation maybe like Japan, where you're almost like a funnel, <laughs> where you've got right. a huge number mm-hmm. of Social Security people, you know, people getting Social Security and a very few number of young people supporting mm-hmm. all that. And that is yeah. unsustainable as well. You know, there's, we have to try to control what we can, you know. Mm-hmm. In other words, we make the decisions with the information we have in front of us. So the first step, and we've talked about this before, Elise, is find out what your benefits are. Go to ssa.gov. It's actually I had someone come in the other day and they said, because this is when people come in, I said, bring in all your information, throw everything in a box. Let's go through it. And they handed me their, they said, you know, it's actually not bad. I said, that is actually a good website, <laughs> ssa.gov. Right. And, and so now they could say with certainty, here are my benefits. Here are my spouse's benefits. You know, between you and your spouse, if those you're married, if you're single, that's either way. But the point is you could have $30,000. Your spouse could have a $40,000 benefit. You may have $70,000 of income coming in from Social Security. That's a good number to know because it can affect decisions you're making and start to understand and bring, as I mentioned, now you start to create an income plan. Okay, I have this piece. Now I'm going to have these other pieces, whether it's a pension or an annuity. This is important stuff to get informed, and then you can start making decisions. Do I claim at 65? Do I wait till 67? You know, it grows by 8% per year. The highest benefit is age 70. The larger benefit stays with the surviving spouse. These are things now you can start to make a decision on when you take it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important. It's also important to say that your Social Security will, of course, grow over the years because it's supposed to be keeping up with inflation. And even if it doesn't keep up quite with inflation, although we've had big jumps over the last couple of years, I think mm-hmm. this year the jump was 8%, 6%. It was over 8% last yeah, October. Over, they declare in October and starting this year, yep. Right. So mm-hmm. you get this you know, big jump, and now that inflation's coming down a bit, 
uh, you're still going to be getting that higher benefit. They're never going to take it back. So it's just going yeah. forward. Um, well, we want, I want to talk a little bit more about Social Security because um, the Social Security Administration has launched an effort against misinformation about maximizing your benefits. And I know that you've got some uh, Social Security myths that we can share, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be really helpful. 630-934-1855 or go to alphawealthgroup.com. We'll be back in a moment uh, with more of This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino of the Alpha Wealth Group. You can find us at 630-934-1855 or go to alphawealthgroup.com. Tom's got a ton of really useful information up on the website. Uh, you're going to want to check it out for sure. Speaking of great websites, so back to Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, we left off our last segment talking about how great that website is, and it is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is great, um, and also the Social Security Administration launched an effort against misinformation about maximizing your Social Security benefits. And I know that there are some myths associated with this. Like mm-hmm. you know, there are no taxes on Social Security benefits. Um, okay. And I and I was sort of hoping uh, that we might walk through <laughs> some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even talk about what states tax Social Security benefits. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, where do we start, Tom? So when we talk about Social Security, at least the first step is to go to SSA.gov, again, to understand what your benefits are. The nice thing about that website is it shows your benefits from age 62 to 70, shows how they increase each year, shows your work history, and really you can kind of start to dig in and create what we like to say this income plan. I'll say this, as far as the claiming strategies, there's no perfect answer. I just I just want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. Um, it's different for everybody. You're going to have It is different a, for everybody. You know, if you're right. a coal miners, you know, coal miner, you're going to maybe do it at a different age than if you're an IT worker. Right. Fair enough. So you can do it, you know, we can talk about the different ages, you know, full retirement age now for anybody who was born in 1960 and later is 67. Now that doesn't mean you have to take it at 67. You can wait till 70. It again, will continue to grow. You could see a seven, $8,000 a year difference if you just wait three years. And by the way, as I said, that larger benefit stays with your spouse. The reason we talk about full retirement age, what does that mean? It means a couple things. One is that is the point where you can take Social Security and not be penalized if you're working. Mm-hmm. So you could turn it on. Prior to that, you could be penalized if you have earned income. So I just want to be clear what these milestones mean. doesn't mean you take it then or you should take it then. It means at that point, penalties go away if you're still working. So some people, sometimes they call it double dipping. The other thing is that full retirement age benefit is that used to determine the maximum spousal benefit, what your spouse could get. Mm-hmm. And so there's reasons for these things. But it's I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off track on the mist, uh, Lisa. But. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's all good. It's all good. It's just, um, you know, I think that, you know, this idea that we understand Social Security, clearly, I think there are a lot of questions about it. And, and you know, even the question about, you know, taxes about on Social Security, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, according to the Social Security Administration, 40% of people who re- receive benefits actually pay income tax. And it's because right. of income limits, right, on who pays income tax mm-hmm. and benefits and what portion of the benefits is taxable. It's really complicated. So shed some light there for okay. us. Okay. So the, <laughs> the reality is this. There's two decisions when you're – so one is when do you claim it? That's a claiming strategy or two pieces of it. The other part of it, how much of it is taxed? 
up to, and it is, this is these laws today, up to 85% of your social security benefit could be taxed. What, so for example, if you have $30,000 of benefits, that would mean up to 25,000 of it could be taxable to you at whatever the tax rate is, right? So it's really important to understand this piece of it because you can say, well, my benefit's 30,000. Well, hold on a minute. If 25,000 of it is taxable, that means you have to turn around and give 7,000 back to the government. So your benefit is really not 30, it's 23,000. And so this is why I do a lot of tax planning in in our firm when I try to to help people with that. There's limits where you get to a point where it becomes taxable. It's called provisional income. It's somewhat of a complicated, not that complicated when someone's sitting in front of you. When you hit certain income limits, it's called provisional income. They start taxing part of your social security. And so there's a calculation that you go through to determine, hey, how much of my social security is taxable? I just want you to be aware that you may not be receiving all of that. By the way, Roths, and we talked about this, are not used in that calculation. So not only are Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks completely tax-free, they are not used to determine how much your Social Security is taxable. So in the extreme, if all of your money was in a Roth, you would not only not pay any tax on that, you would pay no tax on your Social Security. So these are important things to incorporate into your planning. All right, so here's a question for you. If you're working and Mm -hmm. you decide to collect Social Security, is that sort of the way you get maximum taxed? Yeah, because if you hit, just briefly, there's, you know, it's different if you're single or married. So if you're married, as an example, and you're above 34,000 of provisional income, every dollar above that they start taxing at 85%. Again, it gets a little murky here, but yes, if you have an income of 100,000, Mm-hmm. you're pretty much going to be capped out. 85% of your Social Security be taxable, I mean, without going through the calculation. And when does that end? What, the tax? Yeah. It doesn't okay. keep going, does it, on Social yeah. Security benefits? It's, if there's, it doesn't matter. There's a provision, you know, there's a calculation. So I'm working at 75, and I'm still taxed on my Social Security. I thought once you hit your full retirement age. No. That's no. the penalty goes away. The tax can always be there. So what happens is add up all your income, plus half of your Social Security. This is the provisional income equation. Half of your Social Security, I know it's crazy, plus all your other income. If it is above these numbers, they start taxing your Social Security. So if you have pensions, you have money out of the IRA, you have investment or interest income, all of that is added up. It doesn't have to be earned income. So the tax piece of it does not go away. That's it's a bummer. The- and I'm sorry a myth. Prior to eighty three, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> prior to nineteen eighty three, all Social Security was uh, tax free. Then they said we're going to tax fifty percent. Then in nineteen ninety three, they said, wait a minute, we're going to tax up to eighty five. That's where it stopped. I mean, there's a lot more to it. That's why. Look, if people want information, I'm more than happy to help. I'll run the the numbers for you. We have you know ways to show you the Social Security claiming strategies, all of that to help in this process, and so. This is important to understand. So you make, again, no perfect answer, but at least you can say I'm making an informed decision and I'm, I'm feeling a little better about, you know, this whole Social Security thing. Right. And let's be frank, you know, 34000 while nothing to sneeze at is still not, you know, it's not a huge amount to be living on every day, especially when you're paying for, yeah. you know, some of the other benefits and you have to, and your Medicare gets taken out of that and... You know, it's, it's crazy. It's a, it's expensive. Life is expensive. There's this thing called inflation, Tom. <laughs> and that, to your point, they've never <laughs> increased those numbers like the marginal tax brackets since 1993. It's crazy. All right. 
It's crazy. All right. Well, we have to take a short break. We're going to come back, talk about what happened with Tom's clients this week, um, get to some of your questions, and then talk about, well, maybe this is self-evident, why one in six retirees is thinking about returning to work. All that and more coming up next on This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second half of This Week in Wealth, if you're just joining us. I'm Elise Glink, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. If you would like to ask us a question, uh, join the show or talk with Tom, have him run all of your Social Security numbers. This may be the best idea we've had, actually, in weeks. 630-934-1855, or you can just go to alphawealthgroup.com. There's a little form you can fill out, ask some questions, give him your information, and he or somebody from the office will give you a call back. All right, Tom. So back to Social wow. Security. One in six retirees. <laughs> no, no, we I'm really don't. All right. One in six <laughs> retirees are thinking about returning to work. And the top <clears throat> reasons cited were, number one, personal reasons. To me, that's like... I have to get out of the house. Okay, 57%. 53% said need more money. Okay. okay. 52% said getting bored. 45% said feeling lonely. And 45% said inflation uh, as the top five mm-hmm. reasons for going back to work. <clears throat> And having just had that discussion about uh, taxing Social Security and how expensive mm-hmm. everything is getting, what do they need to know, Tom? You mean as far as the... If they're if you're going to go back to work, you're taking Social Security, you've retired, and now it's five years later, and you're like, yikes, I don't have enough money to live, or I can't stand to look at my spouse every day this, for this much time, <laughs> or I wish I had more intelligent conversations going on, you're going to go back to work. Um, you know, what do people need to think about when it's, uh, you know, with regard to... if. If anything changes with Social Security, do they need to think about the taxes? Or what about their income planning strategy that they've worked on with you? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go back to work, I mean, to me, if it's something you want to do or you feel good about doing, I mean, you know, it's tough to say, but it's always going to help the plan. It just can't hurt. You know, people say, well, I'm going to be taxed on this, I'm going to be taxed. That may be true, but you're still going to net positive income. In fact, if you work an extra year, you know, and we do, we test plans, we run analysis, we look at it and we say, well, a person can say, well, what happens if I retire at 64? Well, what happens if I retire at 62? You can look at those and what the difference is. Any year you work extra, right? Number one, typically you're, well, you're adding more money. You can mm-hmm. now contribute, of course, to retirement plans. In addition to that, you're usually not tapping into the investment. So it can just one year or two years can be really dramatic, have a dramatic impact on your overall plan. As it relates to Social Security, if you're under full retirement age, we talked about that, there could be penalties. So again, if you're under 67 or 66, depending on when, what year you were born, there could be penalties on Social Security. There's caps, right? If you make over, it's a little, it's almost 21000 now. But if you make over $21,000 of earned income and you're taking Social Security prior to full retirement age, there is a penalty 50 cents on every dollar over that amount. Aye. So they will withhold the Social Security. You have to be aware of that. And if not, if there's no penalty and you're over that full retirement age, by the way, you can stop Social Security. I just should mention that at least. You can stop it and then start it back up a year later or two years. So that's another benefit. If you go back to work, you can stop it. The delayed retirement credit will kick in again, that 8%, and then you can start it back up a year later or two years later. Really? 
Mm-hmm. You can do that. I didn't realize the delayed retirement credit would st- would start back up. That's kind of cool. It is. I mean, I just it just kind of kicked in. I remembered that. But the thing about it is, so let's say, for instance, you take it for two years. You will miss those two years, obviously, because you started already of that 8% delayed retirement credit. But when you start up again, it starts up again, too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we have about a few minutes left. What happened with your clients this week? Any good questions come in? Well, I did have one. It came on the Roth conversions. And this was a gentleman who was retired. He said, well, you know, and it, it's interesting because it relates to the Social Security because he was trying to position monies. Like he didn't know in the certain tax bracket. He's in a 22, 24% marginal tax bracket. So he went through it. We ran the numbers and he said, you want to know what your marginal tax bracket is? I said, well, here's the big question. I said, are you comfortable paying 22 or 24% today to reposition money to never pay tax on it the rest of your life and have no required distributions and it goes to your children tax-free? Or do you think at some point your income is going to go down and you'll pay lower rates? And he's, you know, I mean, it's a tough one. Who wants to pay taxes today? That's a tough one. I'm Um, okay with paying my fair share. I just don't want to pay more than my fair share. Yeah. I mean, he feels tax rates are going to go up in the future. So he's like, I'm leaning towards just paying that money today. But how old is he? He's in his 70s. Okay. So he thinks tax rates are going to go up, let's say, in the next 10 years? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, actually sooner than that. Like in okay. the next, like for instance, the the tax code is you know the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act is right now it will sunset in 2026. So these brackets, these tax rates right now, will go back to where they were prior to 2017, which would be higher brackets in the 2026 tax year. So you re- effectively have three years of of historically lower. Again, I don't want to minimize taxes, right? But historically lower tax brackets. I just can't imagine that those tax brackets aren't going to be extended and that we're not going to get uh, continued relief. I just don't see the government rolling mm-hmm. it back. I, I don't know. Maybe they will. I hope. I, it's interesting. I, you know, I don't know. So what did you? So what did you do? How did this gentleman <laughs> work it out? Like what happened? <laughs> well, you know, the discussion was I because we looked at him. So for example, looked at his his income. He had room, quite a bit of room, to st- and still stay in the 22 and 24, because the next bracket's 32. We're getting back together. I'm going to run some numbers for him on that, you know, say, okay, versus the Roth. Because keep in mind, I said, when you do the conversion, not only are you repositioning it to tax-free, as Ed Slot says, from forever taxed to never taxed, in addition to that, now you've reduced your required minimum distributions going forward. And so that's another benefit. You have a little more tax control. So I think he's going to ultimately, we're going to meet in the next week or so, he's going to ultimately do the conversions. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked a lot about conversions, and I'm sure we will again. Uh, I think they are not as well known, and people seem to be a little scared of them because I go out and I talk to people and I say, hey, you know, have you thought about a Roth conversion? And they're like, Oh, you mean I can take money out of my 401k and not spend it, but I have to pay tax on it? <laughs> like, they're, they're a little bit unclear about the benefit of it. But, you know, if you make a lot of money, then a Roth conversion may or may not save you anything, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's not always a, a for sure, right? Because, um, I mean, moving the money over, if you're in a high tax bracket now and you're going to be in a high tax bracket later, what's the difference? It isn't always a for sure when you do it, but there's other pieces to this. We don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future, 
But, you know, when you do that move on some of it, I always say, look, if you're going to do it, maybe dip your toe and do 5,000, do 10,000 and see if right. you're comfortable with it. And then going forward, you you can always accelerate that. But it doesn't prevent you from doing Roth IRA contributions or Roth 401ks. But it, I think this I call this forward tax planning because you can do this systematically over many years and understand that it impacts your Social Security, too. Don't forget that. It's not yeah. that it just taxes you. You have to pay tax. It impacts your Social Security and your Medicare premium. Right. All right. 630-934-1855. AlphaWealthGroup.com. If you've got a question for Tom, uh, certainly give us a call. And we will be right back with another segment of This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino of the Alpha Wealth Group. Remember, you can always call us uh, for with a question, 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com, uh, leave a message there, explore all the great information Tom has on his website, uh, and uh, learn a little bit. We think that's a good thing, don't we, Tom? I think that's always a good thing. You can always <laughs> learn. You can learn until the day you die. That's right. Well, speaking of learning, uh, we've got a little generational split going on here with technology. That's not a surprise. Uh, when parents turn uh, deal with technology, they often turn to their kids for help. In fact, their younger kid, right, mm-hmm. um, is the one that they turn to. And a new poll by Vodafone found the kids become more tech savvy than their parents by the time they turn 12. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say... I don't know if that's sad or just impressive. I, I don't know. I think it's like five. <laughs> Be, have you seen these five-year-olds holding phones? They're ordering like $1,000 worth of pizza. They they know what they're doing. It goes to the point where if you start learning young, your mind is kind of open and you just... That's kind of the premise of learning languages and all that. You just start, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it's just, then it becomes habit and it's commonplace. All right. Well, but here's the problem with it. So Gen Z and millennials are so into their technology, right? They're so mm-hmm. attached to their phones that when they have money issues or money questions, they're just going online and Googling it rather than turning to somebody who actually knows something. Maybe their parents, although a lot of parents don't know a lot about money, at least not the kind of specific advice you give people on the show every week. Um, but this is a really interesting question. I mean, some of these young people are earning really significant amounts of money. I know people in their 20s who are earning 250 to 350 a year. I mean, they're getting $80,000 mm-hmm. bonuses because they're good mm-hmm. at their jobs and they're in technology. Sure. So... When should a Gen Z or millennial, you know, seek help from a financial advisor? Should they do it in their 20s and 30s? Do they really not need to think about this till their 40s and 50s? Like, what do you think? Well, at least I know you probably could cite the numbers, you know, right from memory as far as getting started early, right? And the difference between if you start at 35 versus 30 versus 25 and the impact that that has on the back end. So, I mean, like I said, that's something you do. That's so important. It's maybe one of the biggest lessons to say, hey, the sooner we start, just like anything, it doesn't, you know, on the, on the other end, I have some people say, well, is it too late? It's never too late to do these things either, right? On either side. So the information that's available to us, is kind of like a blessing and a curse because you have, you're just constantly inundated with opinions and information. It's great. But everyone, as we were saying earlier, everyone's situation is unique. You're married, you're single, you have a pension, you don't have a pension, your goals are different. And so I think 
it's good to, you know, from my standpoint, of course, as an advisor, you know, my approach, I always say it's not about just growing a pile of money and picking at it, right? Right. I mean, I, I am an investment advisor rep. We do portfolio management, but that's not just what I focus on. You know, we've just spent a lot of time talking about your income plan and a piece of that, which is Social Security, creating income you cannot live, the cornerstone of your plan. But there's other parts of it. How do you minimize taxes? Like, for example, younger people, you know, again, I'm making a general comment. I would say pretty much all of your money should go into Roths, right? <laughs> you can put up to 22500 if you're under age 50 into a 401k. I would put most of that in a Roth. Again, general comment. But You mean um, a, 401, a 401k Roth? 401k, I'm sorry, you're right. 401k, the Roth option in your 401k. If Imagine that one. money growing tax-free for the next 25, 30 years. It's, unbel- it's just, it's kind of, you get your arms around that. That's pretty incredible. So are you, if you've got the 22500 and you can, you probably are, you know, out of pocket when it comes to just doing a regular Roth, does the 22500 have to be split between your 401k and your 401k Roth IRA, or how does that work? Or can you do two chunks of money like that? Well, that's the beauty of the 401ks now, because most most of them have Roth options. For those of you that aren't sure, I would contact your 401k provider and ask. So it's 30000 if you're over age 50, 225 if you're under age 50. You can split it. You can do 50%, 50, you can do 50, 50, you can do 75, 25, you can do it all, or you can do 100% into one. So this is another area where, like I said, this is why when I say if you're working with someone that can help you about not just the investments, but how about the investment strategy, but trying to get as much of it tax-free. All right. So let's say you're you know, in your 20s, so it's 22500 this year. You're suggesting, if I understand it, roughly 11250 goes into your 401k, and 11250 goes into your 401 Roth 401k. You is can, that what you're yeah, saying? You you can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the benefit with the Roth 401k is that that money grows tax free forever. Tax free forever. Okay, so there is a real benefit. Now you pay tax on that today, and of course, if you're making mm-hmm. 250, you're probably in the top tax bracket. But yeah. now you're able to put your you don't uh, you don't. Uh, qualify for a regular Roth because you make too much money, but this is a way to put money in. And actually, eleven two fifty is more than you can put into a regular Roth, right? Right. Again, these under fifty, over fifty, you can do sixty five hundred into a regular IRA, Roth IRA. Excuse me, Roth IRA versus there's much higher contributions in four hundred one k plans. You can do both if your income is under those limits, but it's pay on the seed, not on the harvest, you know? And so um, you start incorporating something that's your plan. Now you're just adding layers to making contributions, but I'm also doing some tax planning on top of that. And, you know, maybe you get more of your Social Security tax-free as well down the road. Does it work with, okay, so in a company, do you also have up until March to make the Roth 401k contribution for the prior year, or is that passed with December 31st? 401k contributions, whether they're Roth or traditional, that deadline is, is December 31st for that year. But to your point, the Roth IRAs, IRAs, you can do up until the tax filing deadline. So since you brought that up, you can still do 2022 Roth IRAs and 2023 right now. If, if you're you able to, I would, I would do it. Certainly the 2022. Get that if you can, because you have until April 18th. That's it. So... 
you know, these young kids who are making good money, it's like maybe they need an, a consult maybe every year, maybe every four or five years. Is there, you know, if they're saving money, let's say they're saving a good chunk of their income and they're on a good path, at what time or what point when you've got, you know, a chunk of a couple hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars and you're in your mid-twenties and it's in, you know, a diversified stock portfolio, is that the time you need to talk to a financial planner or really you don't need to if you're saving well and investing well? You know, it's hard to project out. You know, you're talking to a 25-year-old and say, okay, 30 years from now. I mean, almost that conversation falls <laughs> flat pretty quick. <laughs> um, Really, <laughs> but, but yes, to, only when say, they're looking at like a fancy Mercedes <laughs> they want to buy. Yeah, the, you know the biggest thing I would say, and I think you made what you're basically saying is, you know, having the discipline to do systematic contributions and say, "I'm." If you can start these things and put them in place, and it's kind of like the set it and forget it, that's going to have the biggest impact. If you can get over that hurdle and say, "Yep, I'm committed to doing these things." put a few things in place, and then you can kind of review it every so often. I mean, you're going to be on a path to success. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I had to explain this to a young person who came to me for some money advice, and she makes a very significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, you're 25. You're making more money than your parents made for most of their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Their parents are professionals, but they didn't start to earn two fifty until they were, you know, a yeah. couple of decades into their career. Yeah, I said, you have great. a chance to be a millionaire by the time you're thirty, and then every ten years that'll double. So by forty, it's two million, and by fifty, it could be four million in the bank, mm-hmm. and by sixty, it could be eight million in the bank. And by 70, it could be 16 million in the bank. Sure. And if you actually live to be 100, you're really going to have a lot of cash. And then she said, yeah, but inflation just means I'm going to, you know, use all of that. You know, like it won't be that much money. And I said, I guarantee you, you know, eight to $10 million is still going to be a significant amount of money because we're yeah. not going to see this level of inflation continue, right? It's just not, not going to be there. So I, yeah. I'm, Pleased to say, I got her converted, and she's now on. She's saving twenty five percent of her income. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. It's like millionaire, you know, next door. She's. I said that's the coolest thing, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to see. You know, if you have an Alfa Romeo, everybody wants to ride in it, and if you're just driving a Toyota, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we are Tom out of time again, but oh, I want please. to encourage. I know it flew by. <laughs> Um, as it always does. Yes. Uh, I want to encourage all of you listening today. Give us a call, 630-934-1855. This show is so much more fun when it's interactive and we can talk to you. And you can always reach Tom at alphawealthgroup.com. Be sure to leave a message and somebody will get back to you or he will get back to you uh, to answer your question. Tom, I hope you have a great week. You too, Elise. Have a great week. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next week here on 720 WGN.